SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen today. We're joined, as always, by Sari Riley. Hello. Script editor extraordinaire. What's your what's your tagline? Not a Furby. Ooh. <laughs> That's good. Stefan Shin, producer of SciShow, is also here. Hi. Welcome. Oh, my tagline is, <laughs> the jury's out. And Sam Schultz, producer of SciShow Kids, is with us as well. You got you got a tagline for us? Am a furry. Furby. Am- Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you got one Revealed. No. Uh, my secret. <laughs> I meant to say Furby. Stop eating sweet tarts during the podcast. You can't eat sweet tarts while people are listening to you. <laughs> and wow. I'm Hank Green, made mostly of white claw. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. You should cut back. Yeah. 7% <laughs> white claw. Did you know that a human is 7% blood by weight yes because you said that right before we started the podcast <laughs> <laughs> well glad to have shared that knowledge 
uh, that I found on the internet using Google. <laughs> I didn't find it out by taking all of the blood out of a person and mm. weighing it. And putting it back in. They're like therapies, yeah. I think, designed to put people to deep sleep by taking out blood oh. and then reintroducing it, I think. Yep. Oh, what kind of deep sleep? Why? Uh, I think it's as like a protective condition. So if you're in a very intense injury or something, like um. you're... You would pass out. And so they want to slow down your metabolism everywhere so else, too. So they can too. fix you. So they can fix you. So they would just take out your blood to induce that, I think. Hmm. Oh, and cool it down. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. cool it down and put it back oh. in you colder. Probably. Ooh. Maybe that's it. They take it out and put it like a saline solution. They replace it. Ooh. Why would they do that? I want my blood to do blood things. No, not while you're in this state of suspended animation. They just replace. What if they replaced it with like uh, something fun, like Jello? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I bet that That's would work. Great. That sounds really hard to get out back <laughs> out of. Really yeah. What else would be fun to have my blood replaced with? Cup of Joe. Mm-hmm. Cup of Joe. Mountain mm-hmm. Dews. Yeah, a nacho cheese. A nacho cheese. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Oh, a nacho. No. Shoot it out your nose. You'd have nacho cheese in one arm, Mountain Dew in the other. Yeah. Oh, a party I'm machine. A, I'm a party <laughs> machine. Okay, you're, well, this has gone very well. Thanks for listening to this. <laughs> okay. So, if you're not familiar, usually we get to the point a little faster, but uh, every week on SciShow Tangents, we get together to try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts. We're play- playing for glory, but we're also keeping score and awarding Hank Bucks to the people who achieve greatness here on SciShow Tangents. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but judging by the first five minutes of this podcast, we will not be great at that. So if someone goes on a tangent, we can uh, charge them a Hank buck if we do not deem it worthy. Now, as always, to introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem, it's Steffi. Hello. Whether it's red and fruity or just a green cutie, a capsule for space travel or just a fly with some big ass eye. Eyes. <laughs> but alas, tonight there won't be any dungeons because here we're just gonna talk about dragons. All right. Didn't rhyme, but it said a dungeons and dragons. Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I'm, but what was the thing about capsules? Oh, the drag, the space S- SpaceX Dragon capsule. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. All right, there I'm. I'm a, I've arrived. The topic of the day is dragons, which yeah. is a little weird for a science podcast because mm-hmm. uh, they don't exist, mm-hmm. at least on this planet. Well, Ooh. Yeah. well, I mean, Excuse there are me. things that we about. call That's, dragons. Yeah. yeah. So a dragon in my head is a thing that has two legs, two arms, and two wings, which is impossible. You can't have that. All vertebrates are tetrapodal. There are no six limbed vertebrates. Mm-hmm. Two legs and but two arms. Two arms, though. Yeah, dragons have arms. I've never seen. I always think of them as having four legs. I yeah. suppose, but I four guess legs. six of sure. one half dozen of the other. Yeah. yeah. The topic of the day is dragons. There are a number of dragon-like things out there. There's a lot of uh, reptiles that we call dragons. There are birds that act in dragon-like ways. There are dragonflies. So we're going to talk about, I assume, lots of different things, and we're going to start out with. <laughs> which is when one of our panelists has prepared three different science facts for us to listen to, but only one of them is real. The uh, the rest of us get to try and figure out either a deduction or a wild guess, which is the true fact. And if we do, we get a Hank Buck. If we don't, then the presenter of the facts gets, gets a Hank Buck, who is this week, Sari Riley. You got some dragon facts for us? Okay, fact number one. Sea dragons are in the same family as seahorses and pipefish. And in 2015, scientists discovered a new reddish-pink species that they called the ruby sea dragon, mm. which lives at least twice as deep in the ocean as the other two, like 70 meters down. It probably uses its red coloring as camouflage because red wavelengths of light don't penetrate into the deep ocean. And it gets this color from a symbiotic relationship 
relationship with tiny dinoflagellates, specifically the ones that make red tides and produce neurotoxins mm. that can harm fish. Oh, what? And so it's not only making the sea dragon red, but it gives them oh. a, like a toxic shell as an additional protection from predators. Mm. Okay. Okay. That's fact number one, ruby sea dragons. Fact number two. Dragon millipedes are a group of arthropods with long spindly legs and sometimes spikes on their back, so they look pretty intimidating. And in 2007, we discovered the shocking pink dragon millipede, which is exactly that. It's really bright pink. This is an adaptation that researchers call a posmatism, which is basically a warning signal that says don't eat me to potential predators, like poison dark frogs. Um, And these millipedes smell faintly like almonds because they have glands that produce hydrogen cyanide, which means they're very poisonous. Okay. And fact number three, dragon fruit has a bright pink outside and either white or pink flesh with black seeds. It's really delicious. And True. It, it grows <laughs> in tropical regions like Southeast Asia and has different names in different regions. The word dragon fruit specifically comes from Asia because of a surprising medical use. Komodo dragons also lived in Southeast Asia. They're in Indonesia and have venom that causes lots of bleeding um, and prevents clotting in they're bite victims. And people found that mushed up dragon fruit skin has a mm. blood coagulating compound. Mm. So it's not an antivenom, but it helps counteract the effects and can prolong life after a dragon attack. So dragon fruit, is that why they call it dragon fruit? Yes. Because, because it's useful when you got bit by a dragon. Yep. Whoa. Mm. Those ooh. fake. Yeah. Those all sound think- like they like those all sound like shit Sari made up. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I know the shocking pink thing is real. That's a real creature, but I don't know about yeah. all the other stuff. Yeah, well, smelling so like we, almonds. Yeah, so we've got ruby sea dragons, a reddish species of sea dragon that has red tide in them, pink dragon millipede, which smell like almonds and have hydrogen cyanide in them. Dragon fruit is called dragon fruit because you smear it on your dragon bite. Right. <laughs> and what does it do? It coagulates, it coagulates something. your blood. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that Komodo dragons do have an anticoagulant in their bite. Yes. So it does make yeah. you bleed a lot, and that's one of the problems. Hmm. One of the many a... problems that you yeah. encounter having been bitten by a Komodo dragon. Right. It's a long list. What else? <laughs> well, the first one is that you currently have a Komodo dragon on Biting. you. Biting. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're <laughs> so like the number one problem is that you've got one bite. Another one might be forthcoming, uh-huh. uh, followed by the one that eventually is the one that eats you. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're not that big, are they? They do seem mean. They're oh, yeah, they, could totally, they, they totally are? could eat people. Yeah, really? 100%. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then also they have a bunch of other, they got, like, their mouths are very dirty. Gross so and dirty. Yeah. That's fake. It is? They're, they're not very dirty? Mm-mm. At all? You don't nope. get infections? Nope, it's all venom. It's all venom? Yeah. I thought it was both. No, people, that was like a big misconception, and it was like scattered across zoos and museums. Mm. But I think it's because researchers observed the bodies of prey that Komodo dragons had hunted down. And -hmm. I think just because they lost a lot of blood, went into shock, that meant that their immune systems were probably less Mm -hmm. good. And so they showed signs of infection. But when they actually analyzed Komodo dragons' mouths, they didn't find more bacteria than anywhere else. Wow. What a valuable service Well, you know, I bet there's still a lot of bacteria in there. (laughs) Yeah. It's a wet place. Not an above average. (laughs) You know, meat eater's mouth. Yeah. No more than our mouths. Uh, So I feel like it's it's totally a toin cos. I said toin mm. toss. Didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this, One of those good old toin cos. Guessing hundred percent a coin toss. Yeah, I have nothing to go on. You yeah. have you have suitably stumped me. Um, like a three sided coin. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go with the pink dragon millipede myself. 
That's what I'm going to go with. I want the almond millipede. Oh, to you're be also true. taking the millipede. Okay, well, we're okay. That's cool. <laughs> Teaming up. I want the dragon thing, the fish. The dragon fish. The dragonfish. Is that what it's called? Dragon sea, dragon? sea dragon. Sea to dragon. To be real, but I think it's the millipede. <gasps> well, then I want to. I'm not gonna. I can't put all our eggs in you that already, basket. If you both are gonna go with millipede. I'm going with dragon <laughs> oh, fruit. No. Well, well, then maybe I should go with the ruby sea dragon. Uh, do what you want to do. I'll go with the pink dragon millipede. Yeah, I'm millipede, with millipede, that fruit, fruit. It is the millipede. Oh! <laughs> I, the yeah, the I know I had a panic. <laughs> I was like, you all got my true facts. <laughs> so I didn't think it was the red tide. I didn't want to say this out loud because, like, how would that survive in the deep sea with no red wavelengths of light? Mm-hmm. Oh, ooh. ooh, a nice little logic puzzle. Yeah, <laughs> tricky. <laughs> <laughs> but like I wanted to suck one of those guys into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So well, I mean, why do they call it dragon fruit, Sari? I have no idea. I think it looks like a dragon. I think it looks kind of like a dragon. Yeah, like an egg. I think like a dragon egg. Kind of like fiery. Yeah, yeah. But I just made all up that that stuff up. The Komodo dragon venom is real. Thing. Like I did a lot of research on that. Anticoagulants in it. Yeah. The Komodo dragon venom has anticoagulants, but the dragon fruit, it's just fruit. It tastes good. Some of it is sour. Some of it's sweet. Okay. Yeah. In the same fruit? That's that's what we're all asking for. Mm -hmm. It's sour and sweet in the same package. I never had dragon fruit. Well, that's the most fruits are that way. I've had Sour Patch Kids. Apples. (laughs) I was going to say I've had Starbursts that are dragon fruit flavored, and that's as close as I've Oh, really? Wow. They're too, I don't know how to prepare that. You just chop the outside off. Oh, a dragon! I thought you were talking about starburst. A starburst I was I like, do yeah, know. you got to take the wrapper off. I do not prepare. <laughs> yeah, I know how to prepare a starburst. <laughs> 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 dragon fruit. <laughs> uh, so tell us about this millipede that I failed to guess correctly. Um, there isn't that much more to say about it. It just is that. There's so, this- so this thing where like things are super bright colored. Yeah. Because most things are like, I'm tasty, so I'm going to hide. Mm-hmm. But then you can be like, actually, anti that. I am confident. I am strong. I am independent and also very poisonous. Because yeah. you can tell because you can see me. I'm not trying to hide. So clearly there's something wrong with me. And that's super <laughs> weird because it feels like it would the easy thing would to be like, I am very bright, but also don't produce cyanide. I just scare people into thinking that I'm bad. Mm-hmm. But really, I would be quite tasty. Yeah. But I guess if you try one, then you're like, oh. I can eat this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have no uh, idea why it is a biological thing, but it is consistent across the animal, like poison dart frogs, butterflies, I don't know, brightest, wasps, yeah. or anything with black and yellow coloration is mm-hmm. basically this. It's like, hello, I've got warning colors. Hmm. Huh. Are there things that just have warning colors but are pretending? There yes. are. There's like mm-hmm. the, yeah. what are they called? Sweet? Sweet bees or something like that? Sugar bees. Sweat bees. Sweat, sweat bees. Yeah, sweat yeah. bees. Yeah, there, there are. And there are also like some that intentionally mimic like very closely other species that are not the same species of them and look very close. Right. In butterflies especially. So you're going to want to be memorable so that uh, like I see you, you're bright pink. I try to eat you. It was bad. From then on, I don't try to eat bright pink things yeah. again. Right. So mm-hmm. you don't want to be like bland and boring and nothing. Yeah. You want to be something that's different. You want to right. stand out. Okay. Yeah. And like there are some species where standing out is bad. So I think think that katydids have a pink mutation in them and so normally they're green to camouflage and then sometimes they're pink Mm. and that's really easy for predators to find but Mm. predators in north america aren't used to seeing brightly colored insects so they're probably just like oh look an easy to find snack i'm gonna eat it but 
when it's within an ecosystem of other tropical creatures, other brightly colored creatures. Mm-hmm. They see bright pink and they're like, ah, stay away. I tried yeah. that once before. Yeah. Have you ever eaten something that like it is bad for you? A Ooh, lot of times. Blazing. Yeah. No, no, not like that. <laughs> what did you say? The blazing wings from Buffalo Wild. Yeah, wings. no, yeah. not like that. Ooh. Something that like turned out to not be food, like the time that I ate those pine nuts that weren't pine uh, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it just, it's like it's like you know when you eat some, some like something that has yeah. poison in it. I mean, I I once had a uh, a banana that wasn't the normal kind of banana. Like it was from my mother-in-law's backyard, and it was like way not ripe yet, uh-huh. and it made my whole mouth numb for like a day. Ooh. Do you know if that particular kind of banana, when ripened? Would not have done that. Yeah, if okay. I would, if you wait for it to get ripe, they're actually quite okay. tasty. Uh, but I guess like cyan- like hydrogen cyanide doesn't taste that bad. It just kills you and smells like yeah. almonds. It does sweet? smell like almonds. Cyanide's yeah. sweet, isn't it? I think yeah. it's like mildly bitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it doesn't always give off an odor, and not everyone can detect it. But mm. oh. And if you put it in an apple, then like you don't really notice the taste apparently, because that's what. Poisoned apples are a thing. Oh, wait. Oh, they were cyanide apples? Yeah. Robert Oppenheimer tried to kill his professor that way. The guy uh, who was the head of the Manhattan Project. Oh. Wow. What? That okay. seems like a that's, really bad thing on yeah. your resume. <laughs> yeah. That's a good old tangent, but I'm happy to go on. Okay. Robert Oppenheimer tried to kill his professor with a poisoned apple. Was it grade related? And I think that it was like pressure related. Like mm. he was just freaking out. And, yeah. uh, and they found out he was discovered and they were like, don't. Do that. And that was it. It was just like treated as like a mental health problem, not oh. as like a crime. Interesting. Which is not, I feel like, we give people second chances sometimes and yeah. sometimes we don't. And that's interesting to me. Yeah. And then it's also interesting to me that, that he went on to do so so many like, I'm using the word great in the sense of like very big things mm-hmm. and was the leader of very many people and seen as that leader and, and respected as that leader, even after having made this like tremendous mistake. He had a bad day. Almost being mm-hmm. a murderer. Yeah. Guys, if you ever are mad at me, don't try to kill me with an apple that's poisoned. I don't, also, I don't eat apples because they give it. me yeah. lots of gas. Corn dog. Corn, don't <laughs> play, if poison a corn dog, I will totally eat that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are going to, I promise, keep talking about dragons. But first, we're going to go to the treasure hoard. Like a dragon SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. So 
Let's check and see how we're doing with regard to Hank Bucks. Sarah, you have one because I am bad. Mm-hmm. At- I was very close to not having one. <laughs> at all, I have but- zero. I would have had one, but don't. How are you doing, Stefan? Got two over here. You domination. Woo! And Sam. I have one. I feel comfortable with that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel comfortable no matter with what. With nothing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so, now it is time for the fact off, which I'm very excited about. I've been sitting on this fact for like two days. I'm so excited to share it with you. Two panelists bring science fact to present to the others in an attempt to blow their minds. The other two each have a Hank Buck to award it to the fact that they like the most. So... Sam and I have each brought a fact about dragons Mm -hmm. and the person to go first. Who is it? What is it? Who has played Dungeons and Dragons most recently? I haven't played Dungeons and Dragons in like four years. Oh, come on. (laughs) When was the last time you played D&D? Oh, it was like a year and a half ago, which is sad, but that's how long ago it was. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll go first. I really want to play D&D so bad. I'm going to guarantee you that you do not have time. I do not have time. <laughs> it's a time-consuming thing, and I have yeah. a baby, and I go to bed at 10 o'clock. When you're a grown-up, you don't have time to do anything anymore. That's right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> all right. Uh, so Sam gets time to present his fact to us, and we're all going to listen, and I'm going to have a better fact than him. Oh, what? You don't know that? Oh, fingers crossed. Oh, all right. Okay. So basically, a dragon is just a mean bird who starts fires. Well, <laughs> here is potentially a dragon's closest real-world real world counterpart. Um. During fire season in northern Australia, groups of opportunistic kites and falcons will flock to wildfires and catch the snakes and little creatures that run away from the wildfires. Mm. These bird flocks are called fire hawks. And Mm. according to eyewitness accounts of indigenous people, firefighters and park rangers going back generations, some of these birds will pick up sticks fly them up into the air, the sticks that are on fire, fly them up into the air and drop them in patches of grass that aren't burning in order to uh, <sighs> flush out more prey. Oh, yeah, Aboriginal people so. have uh, like ancient stories about birds starting fires, but there's an autobiography published by an indigenous activist in 1964 that brought the behavior into more of the mainstream like knowledge. So some ornithologists say that it's possible that it happens because birds can like drop rocks on eggs to break eggs or use tools in other ways. Or sometimes they use bait to catch fish, birds do. Starting in 2016, there have been several research expeditions to try and find photographic evidence of birds doing this, Mm -hmm. but so far nobody's found any. Uh, But if it's true, it could mean that birds started using fire before human beings did. But nobody knows if it's true or not. They don't know how to make it though. They can only steal it. They can only steal it. Sam's fact is maybe something happens. Yeah. Well, okay, there's a lot of eyewitness accounts. <laughs> there's tons of eyewitness accounts of it. Yeah. So technically ASMR is like a maybe something happens. Yeah. And, yeah. and that has a really scientific oh, something name. Something happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I hate it. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's but, great. That's but, wonderful. So one thing that I did read was that not they've never had a tourist say that they've seen a bird start a fire like this. So they think that it's like you have to be really close to forest fires. Mm-hmm. It's like really rare specific times. You have to spend all your time like in the bush right. and that it'll happen every now and then. Or mm-hmm. it could be an accident because the birds pick up a stick that's on fire instead of a snake. Jeez. And then they're like, Ugh! and then they drop it. <laughs> it bit me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it might happen. It seems like maybe they would find a picture of it, but. Oh man, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. I want them to find a picture of it. Yeah, me too. Should. 
I mean, this is a, a fairly common thing for people to do to to sort of like control their habitat in this way, especially because like grasslands, mm-hmm. like uh, like oftentimes burning forests in order to encourage grasslands, which are better for like our preferred prey species, and also um, are worse for our uh, enemies, our, co- our our competitive predatory species, because they live in the forest and we want to be able to see oh, them coming. Oh, we have houses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they can't yeah. burn our houses down. Yeah, yeah. Not yet, at least. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's there, it, more and more, there's nothing that's unique to humans. Uh, we just have all of the things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, all the animals can do something, but we can do all of the things. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, there was a, in this year, in May, there was an expedition to try to find picture photographic evidence of this but i couldn't find the results of it hmm. so it mu- they They're must not there. have found any you had to or... call them on the phone and be like hey tell me about your dragon fire i should have done that <laughs> yeah that's it all right it's my turn now when you say dragon this is i start out the exact same way what is the thing that exists for us it's basically something that can fly but it can kill you but that doesn't really exist outside of the story of a Greek poet getting bonked on the head when a tortoise got dropped by an eagle and some very other (laughs) unlucky occurrences which I'd be happy to get into later uh, there aren't a lot of birds that fly and kill people or any but there is a Maori legend of a massive bird that would eat humans that turned out to be absolutely true when fossils of Haast's eagle were discovered. It went extinct just 400 years ago, and it 100% could have eaten people and almost definitely did. It weighed over 30 pounds, had talons bigger than your feet, stood about as tall as a man's waist, and had and was the apex predator in New Zealand. It preyed primarily oh, no. on the various species of moa, the largest of which weighed over 500 hundred pounds. Once people became available, Host's eagle almost <laughs> certainly ate them as well. Huh. Oh, no. So people arrived in New Zealand around uh, 600 years ago. Host's eagle went extinct around 400 years ago, along with all of the species of moa, which were a large flightless bird, which basically oh, were in like okay. the cow ecological niche. Wait, how much did they weigh? 500 pounds were the largest ones. 500 pound bird? The, the, the walking birds. Whoa. Yeah, the flightless birds. Yeah. That, and that is what the host's eagle ate. And that is why it got Whoa. so big, because its primary food was basically was a bird cow. Birds. Yeah. And so they found these giant pelvises of of moa with eagle talon marks in them. So it would come from the side and hit them in the back to try and like paralyze them basically and then go for the neck to kill them. And because we are also bipedal, just like moa, and because we're (laughs) roughly the same size as like a small one, they're pretty sure that when humans arrived on the scene, like this was the apex predator and we were eaten by them the same way we would be eaten Jeez. by like a tiger or a mountain lion or a bear in like Whoa. a non-New Zealand biome. So yeah, <laughs> a 33 cool. pound eagle that its talons were like this big. So like its feet were like as big as our feet. Mm-hmm. And and if and standing up, it was as tall as like my waist, yeah. like a tall guy's waist. Right. <laughs> but still like small relative to its prey. Like yeah. that's bonkers. So yeah, yeah. They, they, could, can... they could hit at 50 miles per hour. Ugh. What? So it's like a 30-pound knife hitting you at 50 miles per hour. How do we know that? Do we, like, model We've seen the gouges in the pelvis of a moa fossil. And so they can tell, like, speed and impact or estimate that based on 
how deep the gouges are. Yeah, pretty <gasps> freaking cool. Moas look like ostriches with hot legs. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Googled a moa yeah. and has decided that they look like ostriches with hot legs. So definitely if I was a bird and I saw that on the ground, I would think a person, I would think, ah, there's a little bird with hot legs. <laughs> <laughs> what does hot legs mean? Like, well, they have like, like Cindy Crawford? Look at this one. <laughs> look at those legs. Got nice, le- nice calves. Yeah, those are good calves. Big beefy upper leg. <laughs> that's really what I look yeah. for in legs. I mean, too. I definitely yeah. want to eat one. Yeah. And that's what the Maori did when they arrived in New Zealand. Wait, it, they were did they arrive so, there from where? Uh, other places in oh, the okay. South Pacific. Okay. So we ate them too. We ate the moa. Yes, we probably oh. didn't eat Haas eagle. Haas gotcha. eagle probably went extinct. Not. By human predation, but because we ate all the moa and that's what kept them alive. So mm-hmm. there were probably around 30 or 40,000, like there weren't that many of these eagles yeah. mm-hmm. because they were so specialized to this one place where there were no like placental vertebrates, like there were no right. placental mammals. So the uh, birds were taking up all of the ecological hmm. niches, and that included the apex predator. So, like having an apex predator that is a bird mm-hmm. is very strange, and mm-hmm. uh, and so and in a very sort of island characteristic because huh. other places had mammals to do that. That's weird. I didn't even it, think about the evolution of it, but an eagle or an eagle relative just had to have arrived there and then started right. getting bigger. And the weird. Oh. The, the weird thing is, it was they they figured out what the relative of this eagle was Ooh. and it's a small eagle it's like it increased mm. in weight over i think it was eight hundred thousand years to a million years it increased in weight 15 times huh. what and the, and there's they were like they're super big and beefy and and so they were perch predators so they were like in the jungles so they wouldn't fly like a like you see like an eagle flying right. in and like diving into the water and they would perch and like fly from perch to perch looking for something to get Whoa. So they weren't like so they soarers. Fly. They were they were flappers. Right. Huh. Mm-hmm. So they're like nice. almost more like a turkey, but with like knives on its feet. Give Hank your stupid money. Bye. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> my so, birds might be smart enough to start fires, but whatever. Yours just got really big. And I got a really <laughs> big bird. People. Yeah, definitely a human eating bird. Yeah, <laughs> it's basically a dragon. It's close as we got. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> All right, uh, divvy up the Hank. I'm box. actually gonna give it to Sam. Look at that! <laughs> wow. Even though it, there's a chance that it's just being reported, but is not an actual thing. It's the idea cool. of birds setting fires is yeah, that's pretty nifty. Yeah, seems like you could teach a bird to set fires. Yeah, yeah. and you probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. That's great though. That's a great mystery novel. Yeah. How was he murdered? Uh, he taught his falcon to burn houses down. <laughs> oh, that would be cool. It would be cool. Ooh. I'm gonna give it to a passenger pigeon. Just like you're give gonna give your thing. hang buck to a passenger pigeon. <laughs> no, give the fire. To it. Just yeah. Um, but I will give my Hank back to Hank hmm. because the evolutionary aspect yeah. of it is yeah. what got me. Like, the really cool, cool idea of mm-hmm. this bird just got really big. Yeah. And it was recently. Like, I need to eat a moa. Oh boy. Yeah. Food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got super cool. big. Yeah, got super we th- big. we thought they were related ago. to big eagles, but it turns out they're related to like fairly small eagles. Mm-hmm. And that they like their talon size has grown from like five centimeters to over 30. That's crazy. I love it. I love it. I don't know how big uh, that is. How big is a centimeter? So, yeah, <laughs> from like a half a foot to like three. No. No. To like. Than that. Oh, it's size of your foot. Oof. Yeah. And now it's time to ask the science couch. Stefan, do you want to ask the science couch a question from Megan? I sure do. Okay. I'm over here on the science couch. I'm going to do my best. 
I'm going to do my best too. It's a dragon, so. At Shetchug asks, what would have to happen for something that's alive to be able to breathe out or create fire and not incinerate itself oh. and destroy its own mouth? Mm. I think this would be a fun thought experiment. <laughs> yeah, so there isn't anything that breathes fire, right? No. Because like, I, but I felt like I had to ask. Yeah. <laughs> Which is sure. pretty amazing. Like that's, that's how amazing biology is. Doesn't seem like it should be possible. I mean, in How to Train Your Dragon, here's how it works. There's a, they got, they, they don't explain how like the Night Fury thing works, but there's one that has like, it breathes out of gas and then it's got like a fire starter in, in its face. Mm. Um and that's pretty cool. So kind of like mm-hmm. a flame. So you gotta, you gotta have, mm-hmm. or, or you could mix together two compounds that have some, like that undergo some like tremendous exothermic reaction. That's how mm-hmm. I would imagine mm-hmm. it would go yeah. because you know because you, you can't have, have them couple... mixed inside you because then they'd explode. Yeah. You'd have to mix them as they're coming out of your mouth. You just have a couple glands. Yeah. Other creatures have multiple glands in their mouths that yeah. secrete things. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. in their butts. Or in their butts. <laughs> Because there is a beetle that does that, yeah. (laughs) Okay, tell me about the beetles. Yeah, they're called bombardier beetles. Mm. So they are these beetles with fiery butts, 1,000 degrees, um, and it's all, it is shooting out multiple chemicals. So they have different Mm. chambers within their bodies. One of them has hydroquinones in it, and one of them has hydrogen peroxide in it. I think they also have enzymes in Mm -hmm. some sort of adjacent chambers, like catalase, which is hydrogen peroxide, I think catalyzes that like decomposition into Mm. uh, different gases. And so it spews these liquids all at once, from what I understand. And it like spurts out this very hot, very caustic fluid. Um, And so you can watch videos of like a frog eating them and then it like puffs out in its stomach or like you can hear a noise or something like that a while later. I don't know why the frog isn't just incinerated, but Mm -hmm. it like vomits it up. And I think the frog later dies. Yeah. Yeah. The frog later dies. Later dies. Um, How, if it gets that hot, how is it not setting things on fire? Yeah, that was my thought. Like if you have like dry leaf litter and you drop something a thousand degrees Celsius, it's going to catch on fire. I think it's just misty. So it, it, I don't know, maybe it would catch something on fire, but. I love it. It is like an aerosolized Thing. Or maybe it lives someplace really wet where it's, things don't catch on oh, fire yeah, very that easily. Makes sense. Because like if it did live somewhere dry and it did this, it would die all the time. It would just burn everything down. Right. And have nowhere to live. It would die all the time and take uh, everything else with it. Yeah. yeah. It would just like do its defense mechanism and it'd be like, I have to run as fast <laughs> as I can now. Everybody go, go, go. Bruce Willis jumping out of a helicopter at the last second. <laughs> That's cute. Uh, I mean, we we uh, expel flammable gases from our from our butts. Not oh, that yeah. hot though. Yeah, we're basically reverse dragons. Yeah, uh, but if I was a dragon, I would not want to spew out like methane or a gas because then you have an uncontrolled fire burst. Right, the you gas is just going to gonna spread. Like, uh, I would rather, yeah, have ethanol. Uh, fart out ethanol and then well, yeah, set it well, on liquid. Fire. liquid. Fart out liquid ethanol. That's not liquid farting. farts. No. Yeah. So you need ethanol diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Great. Yeah. Okay. Who won this episode of SciShow Tangents? Not me. I think we have another tie. We have another tie. I have one. Sari has one. Sam has two and Stefan has two. You guys keep tying. We're the smart boys. Oh, I shouldn't have given you my hank butt. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's an easy trap to fall into. You could have given it to me and then we would have tied. Our problem problem is that we're taking pity on each other. No, I could have thrown it in the trash. 
That's true. I didn't have to give it to Hank. Yeah, that's not fair. We can't feel bad for each other anymore. We have to crush each other. Yeah, that's really what it's all about. Yeah. And now it's time for our sign-off before our final butt fact. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's really easy to do that. First, you can leave us a review wherever you listen. That's super helpful and lets us know what you think about the show. You can also tweet out your favorite moment from this episode. And that way we'll be like, oh, yeah, that was really great. Thanks. Thank you to at Rage Against Twit and at Vision Bond and everyone else who tweeted us your questions. Finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell people about the show because it's so fun. And people will say, thanks for telling me about that podcast. It was so dumb. I loved it. Thanks for listening to us. I have been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stephen Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and WNYC Studios. It's produced by us and Caitlin Hoffmeister. Our art and music are by Hiroka Matsushima and Joseph Tunamedish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. Dragonfly nymphs can pull water into their anuses and then they clench really hard to shoot it back out, which hydraulically propels them forwards, which helps them get around or maybe catch some prey. Oh, you got yeah. little jet butts.